The Bible reading this morning comes from the Revelation of St. John, and you'll find this on page 1252, 1252. Revelation 21, beginning at the first verse. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name's Matt, if I haven't met you before. Great to have you here. Um, I play tennis on a Thursday morning, and I love it. And at the end of every term of tennis, the coach gets up in front of the whole you know, team and he gives us a bit of a pep talk because we're all a bit weary and exhausted from playing for a whole term. Uh, and he says the same thing every term. And I've heard it, for, I've heard it three or four times this year. Um, and looking out over us, weary, exhausted, wondering whether we'll do another term of tennis, uh, looking out over us, he says, I want to tell you some good news about tennis. And he says, it's, it's been researched and proven that tennis will add nine years to your life. And everybody thinks, all right, I'll come back next term. Um, and as I listened to this spiel for the third, fourth time, um, maybe we'll go to a blank slide. There we go. You know this is a sermon. Um, as I listened to that spiel for the third time, or fourth time this year, I thought to myself, you know what, this Sunday, I'm getting up as coach in front of the team who might be feeling a little bit weary and worn out from a, a, another year with all its troubles that have just gone past and maybe a bit exhausted looking into 2019 thinking here comes a whole lot more trouble you know do I do I want to enroll in the Christian faith again next year um, and and as coach I've got some good news and it's not a piddly nine years it's of a new creation it's of life eternal that's what I have to offer you as good news this morning. And so I want to be that coach alongside you this morning and, and, or let St. John give us that vision of not a piddly nine years to add to your life, but of a new creation that you and I can participate in, that one day we'll enjoy forever. Um, I was playing tennis with my partner. He knows I'm a pastor and he... Um, asked me what I was preaching on this Sunday. And on Thursday morning this week, I happened to know, which was good news. 
And I said to him, I'm preaching on the new creation. And I kind of got this blank stare. And I tried to explain. I said, I'm talking about the redemption of all things. Uh, still a bit of a blank stare. And I realized that um, you know, just like last week, we spoke about the second coming of Jesus Christ last week. And I shared with you, you know, often it's hard to believe. Often it's hard to talk about with other people because it sounds like impossibly bad news at first glance, you know, when you, with all the uh, zombie apocalypse kind of pictures that our world gives us. It looks like bad news, so it's hard to talk about. Well, this week, as we talk about the new creation, often it's hard to talk about or believe because it's impossibly good news. We're talking about the redemption of all things. We're talking about life eternal. We're talking about a new heavens and a new earth. It's, it's impossibly good. Uh, and so this morning I want to give you a sentence that is hopefully catchy enough that will give you something you can stick a few ideas to so that you can believe in it, hope on it, meditate on it, and maybe even share it with some friends even this Christmas. Uh, and that sentence is this. The new creation is a big, beautiful new life together. Do you want to say that with me? The new creation is a big, beautiful new life together. Wonderful. Uh, why don't I pray as we get stuck into that? Uh, Lord, I just ask that as we look at the vision that John had in Revelation, that you would give us the same vision that we might see as he saw. And as a result, wake up to this new heavens and new day that is coming, this new earth that is coming, and that we might begin to participate it here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. So firstly, it's, it's big. It's a big, beautiful new life together. It's big. The Christian hope that we share is not small. It's not small. It's big. Have a look at the language that John has to use in verse 1. Verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Earth is what we stand on. Uh, heaven is everything else in all creation. That's what he means by it. Including the two trillion observable galaxies that we know about. That's what he's talking about. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. In other words, everything is being transformed. You might be familiar with how the Bible begins. It begins with God creating everything. The Bible ends here in Revelation with a new creation. It starts with a creation. It ends with a new creation. God remaking everything. And so, Christians, as, as we share our story, we don't have a small story to share. We're talking about everything being made new. And this is one of the reasons why there's no such thing as a, a private faith, you know, in the sense of, I, I keep my religion to myself. Because if you properly understand the Christian story, it envelopes everyone and everything. It's about our whole world, indeed the entire cosmos. Christianity holds out the biggest hope for our world. Hope for an entirely new cosmos. It's nothing short of a renovation for everything. It's big news. Uh, we're going to sing a lot of Christmas carols together in the next 48 hours. I'm really excited. My favorite 
singing time of year. Uh, Naomi and I stayed up last night and watched Carols in the Domain. Good fun. Uh, Isaac Watts wrote one of the best carols, I think, Joy to the World. And it's got that refrain, Let heaven and nature sing. Why? He writes, Because the Lord is come. And he comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Now the curse, you and I experience it every day. We are under it, our world is under it. It causes every inch of of decay and destruction and death that you see or experience. It flows everywhere. The curse is everywhere. But Jesus brings a break from the curse. He lifts the curse. And in fact, nothing that you and I have ever experienced will be untouched by the new creation. Nothing will be unaffected by it. And it's not just physical. We might have physical ideas in our mind right now, but John says his vision goes beyond the physical. It says there, at the end of verse 1, it says, and there was no longer any sea. One thing you need to know about the book of Revelation when you read it is that it uses symbolism to communicate its message. And the sea in ancient mythology uh, is where every rebellious and evil monster is born. That's where it comes out of. And so for John to say there's no more sea, he's saying there's no more rebellion against God and his ways. There's no more, nothing bad left. There's nothing evil. And that meta-narrative in our world, the biggest narrative that there is of good versus evil, of God versus his enemies, uh, has been overcome. Evil's been overcome. And so this is no small idea. Christianity, Christians... Uh, the message that they have is not that a little bit of religion in your life will make you a better person. The message that Christians have is that Jesus will set the entire universe free from its death and its decay and from evil. So it's big. Secondly, the new creation is beautiful. It's a big, beautiful new life together. I think it's kind of easy for us to imagine uh, a new creation in terms of the physical world, you know. Um, the coral reef maybe coming back to colour again, um, something like that. But John points to us. He points to God's people, his church, and he says they are beautiful. And that's a little bit harder to imagine, isn't it? The person next to you being more beautiful than they currently are. A new humanity being beautiful. Read verse 2. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. This new creation includes a new people, a city with people, God's people. And the image he gives us is of a bride. All those hours in that morning spent getting ready, beautifully dressed for her husband. Now, the Bible talks about, um, well, it describes, it describes us there as being holy. And holy is when you are able to approach God. That's what holiness is, when you're able to approach God freely. Um, the Bible has a lot of talk about our unworthiness, our inability to approach God. And the language that it uses is of being unclean, of being dirty, 
But as you may be aware, because of Jesus' death for the forgiveness of our sins, the, the Bible actually in Revelation says that our clothes are washed, made white in the blood of the Lamb. And so God makes us, His new creation, a people who to Him are not just clean, but more than that, are beautiful before Him. Prepared beautifully like a bride on her wedding day. I've had one of those days in my life. And uh, I was going to show you a photo this morning, but my presentation didn't work. Uh, and she's here today. You can see her later. But she was all dressed up, and she looked incredible. And the words people used were beautiful, perfect, transcendent, a revelation. And the point is, is that is your future. Whether you've been a bride or not, I was a groom. So I, but that's my future. One day I will be received to Jesus as beautiful before him. Not just clean and acceptable, but beautiful is how he will receive me. Thirdly, it's, it's big, it's beautiful, but it's also new. It's a new life together. Uh, Naomi and I are in the process of buying a new car, and it's really exciting going into all these showrooms and just seeing cars that like, will make you blind if you look at them too long. They're so shiny. And um, I noticed there's a part in the garage downstairs where they bring the brand new cars that have been built, and they big it, put a big red ribbon on it, tied in a bow, uh, so that when the new owner comes to collect it, you know it's there, or they often put a sheet over it to reveal it. You know, Beautiful. Um, and so it's very exciting, but I also had a moment of disappointment as I looked at these cars in the showroom because I realized, and I didn't say this out loud, um, but those cars in that showroom look as good as they will ever look in that showroom, don't they? They're as beautiful as they will ever be, as new as they will ever be in that showroom. Once you drive it out, they start, you know, getting dirty, they start rusting, they start breaking out down, they start costing you more money. And that's a bit of our experience in this world, isn't it? Started off all pristine and new and beautiful, uh, but then we experience this world, we see, we even treat this world often like it's just, it's just wearing away. It's not new anymore. There's another story for some cars, and that's of restoration. When somebody who loves and cherishes that thing takes it from its broken, decayed state and they spend hours, days, weeks, months, years bringing it back to life. And in fact, they, it's, its new life is better than its former life. It's given an upgraded engine it's given all the mod cons, you know, the technology and everything. The newness of the new creation is something like that. It doesn't necessarily mean that this new creation doesn't mean that this world will be thrown away or discarded or abandoned. It means it, it will be remodeled, upgraded, transformed, renewed, remade, better than it is today. And so it's new. 
a helpful insight as you begin to picture this in your mind might be to remember Jesus' own resurrection, his own new life. Because we're told in the Bible that it's a, it's a foretaste. He is the first fruits of the new creation to come. Him in his new life, and remember that was a resurrection that happened within our own world. His, his new life was some ways similar to his old life. He met his friends again. He ate food with them. And so there's a, a, a continuity between the old and the new in some senses. But there's also a discontinuity. Have a look at verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning, crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. One of my favorite carols is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And it says in verse 4, O come, thou key of David, come, and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high, and close the path to misery. Something different about the new creation is that the path to misery, to death, to decay, to pain, will be closed. The door will be shut on that. Our world is in desperate need of an upgrade, isn't it? And God offers it everything new. So it's big, it's beautiful, it's a new life, and it's a new life together with one another and with God. This, have a look at verse 3. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. This was the intention of creation all along, that God would live with us. And that's why God's remaking it, so that he will be with us. It was promised to Abraham right at the beginning, and in the new creation, it's a reality where we will be with God face to face. So that's what the new creation is. It's a big, beautiful new life together. And I hope it's got you more interested and excited in Christianity than you are in tennis. <laughs> but here's the really exciting bit about it all. The Bible says the new creation has come, that it's here now. And it hasn't come completely, but it has come in us. It's begun in us, in God's people. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'm not making this up, says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. The church is his new creation now, already. And that's why our Lord taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because we can play a part in bringing it today. The new creation has come. How? How do we do this? How do we bring the new creation? Well, I want us to think about our sentence again. And I'm just going to go through it in order, big, beautiful, new life together. And think about what that means for us today. Firstly, if it's big, if this new creation is big and it involves heaven and earth and everything in it, 
if everything in our world will in some way be transformed by this new creation to come. If some of what is here will be considered old and removed, and some will be considered a part of the redemption and renewed, then I think the first thing we need to think about is we need to choose wisely what we're a part of and what we're doing. You remember the old statement, only what is done for Christ will last. So firstly, be wise in in what you choose to do and and how you do it. Because only what is, is done for Christ will last. Secondly, though, we have to believe that somehow there are things in every sphere of our life that are coming on the journey with us into the new creation. So in a sense, everything matters. It doesn't matter what you do, whether, you're, whether you feel you're weak as a plumber or as an architect, as a friend or a family member, as someone who does administration or poetry or science or sport. Something of that will come with us in the new creation. And so we have a responsibility now to live in light of that, whether it's in our work or in our relationships or in our play, we have to treat those things as if they're coming with us or as if we need to help bring them with us. Not everything is perfect, but not everything is empty either and vacuous. Many things will be transformed things. So we need to treat them in light of that. Uh, Secondly, if everything's beautiful... Well, sorry, if God is making us beautiful, if that's the plan, then this life right now is not a waste of time. And everything and everyone that crosses your path might just be a part of God's plan to make you more beautiful. And you need to approach life like that. God is preparing us now to wed with Him later. You know, often I've thought as I grow older with age, I want to grow more lovely with age as well. There's another option, right? To grow more callous. But there's another option which I see, and I have a great example to follow in this congregation, of growing more lovely with age, more beautiful with age. Thirdly, if it's new, if the new creation is new, And if that new creation has come now and I'm a part of that new creation, you're a part of it, then what you do and how you live now matters. In fact, you can live out your new identity now. What does that look like? What does it look like to live out of that newness now? I think every time you fight temptation, every time you exchange love for hate, every time... You practice some self-control. That the new creation is showing in you. And it's becoming more manifest, more visible to others. Uh, Naomi and I were discussing what it means in that carol, Joy to the World, when it says, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. What does it mean that the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love? And our best guess 
is that it means that we show the world the wonders of God's love and the beauty of his righteousness every time we obey him, every time we live lives of truth and grace. We just prove the wonders of God's love. And we can do that now. And finally, if it's a new life together, uh, well, since we are now together with many of the people who will be with us in the new creation, surely we ought to start living that new life together now. I've been listening to a podcast called The Habitat, which is about um, a practice run of what it will be like for astronauts to live on Mars. And they're, you know, in Hawaii on an arid landscape under a little dome. And it's very interesting to listen to. But an interviewer asked one of the astronauts, um, how would you choose a crew for the real Mars mission? How would you do that? And she answered, for a long time we've been looking for our astronauts by looking for the best individuals, those with the right stuff. But when we go to Mars, the challenge won't be finding one or two or even six exceptional individuals. It will be about finding a group of people who can trust each other no matter what, who can walk together into the unknown. And I thought, that's church. That's what we are. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to be the community of the future even now, even today. There's a big, beautiful new life together with God that awaits us in the new creation. And Christmas reminds us of that. But Christmas also reminds us that that new creation has come. It's broken into our world and we are a part of it. So you might still be in some disbelief about the new creation, much like my, sometimes myself, much like my tennis partner. I want to finish with a quote from a book that's been really helpful to me. It's by Tom Wright. It's called Surprised by Hope. And he's really helpful on this. And he says this. He says, How can the church announce that God is God, that Jesus is Lord, that the powers of evil, corruption, and death itself have been defeated, and that God's new world has begun? How can we do that? Doesn't this seem laughable? Well, it would be if it wasn't happening. But if a church is actively involved in seeking justice in the world, both globally and locally, if it's cheerfully celebrating God's good creation and its rescue, rescuing from corruption, rescue, sorry, if it's cheerfully celebrating God's good creation and its rescue from corruption in art and music, and if in addition its own internal life gives every sign that the new creation is indeed happening, generating a new type of community, then suddenly the announcement makes a lot more sense. Why don't we walk together into the new creation today? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your good news to us means a new creation. Give us a vision of it so we can endure patiently and take comfort in our eternal home. Amen.